Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. Good morning. Uh, my name is uh, Ron Cross. I'm the vicar here, the senior pastor here at St. Saviour's. Uh, special welcome if you're listening online. Uh, we are in a series based on the Ten Commandments. So if you've not done church, you don't do church, you probably have heard about the Ten Commandments. Uh, we're we're partway through. Uh, we've done lying and cheating and thieving and coveting. And uh, finally, we're at one summed up in, in four words. One that's got real, real little ambiguity to it. It reads, you shall not murder. You shall not murder. And we all sit there, and we've the last four weeks, we can sit there today and breathe a sigh of release. release. At last, one of the shall nots that I can actually do. You shall not murder. I can do that one. So uh, if that's the case, you know, sit back, relax, don't worry about it. You can ignore the next 20 minutes of your life. But, but I would suggest uh, there's probably more to it, and I'm sure Jesus will reveal more as I continue to speak. Murder, murder is a serious crime. If you want to find it, we're in Exodus 20. Uh, we're working through verses 1 to 17. This is uh, chapter 13. You shall not murder. Murder, a serious crime. Once it's done, it cannot be undone. You know, there is so much murder in uh, our world today. So much. We hear about all of the shootings, uh, especially in America. We hear about people being shot in schools, in workplaces. We hear about all of the stabbings, uh, regular reports of terrorist activity, beheadings. I was uh, on the train home the other day, teen killed by gang armed with knives, gun, and a samurai sword underneath boy 17 in court over Brixton stabbing. So, so much murder, murder. Finally, finally, one that we can keep up with. You shall not murder. But I ask you, and those of you that are familiar with me who have worshipped here for a while, will know that sometimes I ask you a question, I'm looking for a response. This is one of those times. What is it, what is the emotion that leads to murder? Hate, good, not quite right, Ollie. Anger, well done, all those, that, that, uh, that's a B. I know you're a teacher, you'll appreciate that, that was a B. And the rest of you, that's an A+. Plus. Uh, anger. Anyone here get angry? Oh. Yeah, no, I thought you were admitting your anger, Miss Hamilton, at the age of whatever you are. That's wonderful. Anger. Does anyone get anger? Angry? Are you all going to admit that you all have got and perhaps still get angry? Yes, in which case... It could be that today God has something for you. We are not walking models of constructive anger management. Yeah, anyone here get road rage? Anyone, anyone liable to a bit of road rage? Uh, the other day, I'm driving with Ro next to me. Uh, that was Ro that I uh, passionately touched, by the way. We're married, so it's fine. I can do that sort of thing. With the two kids in the back, they're at 17 and 13. Is that someone wooing? Um, and I, all I did was I'm driving and I turned right. There was a car coming towards me. I would definitely not have failed my driving test for the car coming towards me. There was plenty of time. He was going a little bit too fast. 
He got road rage to the point where he did not give me one bird. Those of you who are over the age of 12 will know what the bird is. He gave me a double bird. He was so angry about me having turned right off of the road. He literally left his steering wheel, his hands, and he gave me, forgive me, Lord, a double bird. I want to do it. I kind of want to do it. But I know some of you are filming this, and it, it will get me in trouble with my bishop. Uh, a double bird. Kids in the back. What is he on, Dad? They were cracking up. What drives you to that? Violence is being pumped into us non-stop. Non-stop. We've spawned a new generation of movie heroes. Anyone like Rambo? Anyone think they're Rambo? Terminator, loads of people, lethal weapons who will die hard. If you're, if you're a youngster today or a parent of a youngster, the words Fortnite will strike terror into your parental heart. Something that has gripped our nation and the world. It's a computer game where it's the last man or last boy standing. There are 99 people that you're competing against. What you have to do is murder every single one of them to win the game. Woo. Preach it, brother. Come on, where's all the penties in the house? Uh, one of you. Uh, why is it bad, though? Why is it bad? Well, it's bad because we were created, uh, Everly was created in, in, in the image of God. And you were created to reflect God's image, which is pure and blameless and holy and good. Yeah, it was just like she is now. And, and there's this theological term, I, I'm not very well educated, so I don't really go into this very much, but there's a theological term called the imago Dei. Uh, and it means it's the image of God, and it's the image of God that we were created. You can see that in chapter 127 uh, of Genesis. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female, he created them. So he created all of us, whether you're a man or a woman in here this morning, God created you. You need to know that. And that to be created in his image, I, I can understand as meaning a few things, and if you want to dis dispute them with me afterwards, feel free. Uh, we hold a special place in creation. We're the crowning of God's creation. When he saw, when he, when he created, and he saw that it was good, and then he saw us, and he created us, and he said, ah, very good. Very good. We are different from all the other physical beings on this planet or plants and trees for you if you're a vegetarian. We are the crown of creation. Human beings, you, were created with higher abilities of reason, of creativity, of self-awareness than all of the other animals in the kingdom. And when I look out and I see how reasonable, creative, and self-aware you are, I know he did a good job. And we have this sense, this God consciousness of us, within us, uh, if you're a Christian, you'll know because God has filled that hole that you are probably putting in lots of other things to try and fill that hole. But God has created that in us, this longing, this searching for God that, that won't be thirsted, that won't be satiated, won't be filled until you actually find God. And he's put that in, in each one of us. Uh, someone very wise in the scriptures uh, who wrote Ecclesiastes said, God has put eternity in the hearts of man. If you're searching and you haven't found God, it's because eternity is waiting for you, waiting for you to be found. 
Since human beings have the imago Dei, their lives, particularly innocent lives, are precious in God's sight and therefore must be protected. And that's the first reason why there's this commandment not to murder. And the second reason is because I believe it murder violates God's sovereignty, his rule, if you like, the fact that he is king, he's creator. Uh, God is the author of life. He's placed us all here, whether you know him or not. He has placed you here so you can listen to this fall to discover a little bit more about who this God is who loves you so much that he sent his son for you. And uh, when we say, when we say, well, I wanna, when we do murder, when we want to get away with people, we're saying, actually, just get out of my way. I'm more important than you are. You don't deserve to exist. Get out of my way. I'm really important. And there are some people who, have, who are responsible for more murder than you can even shake a stick at. Hitler, 20 million people. Mao, 75 million people. Stalin, 62 million people. Three people responsible for 157 plus million deaths. Amazing. But what about 20,000 people in Iraq? What about two and a half thousand people from Afghanistan? What about the person that was murdered in London last night? Every single life is precious to God because he created every single life in his image for his purposes. So, uh, if, if every single life is precious to God, and uh, we might ask ourselves, well, well who is it? Who, who is at work? doing all of the uh, stealing, doing all of the killing. Who is that? Satan, were you in the first service? Well done. Just checking. Satan. If you don't know who Satan is, he's the enemy of God. God is good. All the time, God is good. Satan, not so much. He's the originator of murder. Uh, Ro, in a few weeks ago, told us that he was also the father of lies. It comes up in John 8, 44. Jesus is confronting, at this particular point, the religious leaders, people who dress and think and act like me, who are plotting to kill him. He says this, John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar, and he is the father of all lies. Satan loves murder because it destroys the imago Dei within us. Comes from the enemy. Yeah. I'll just touch on... The sixth commandment deals with protection and the sanctity of all human life. Every stage of development from conception until natural death. Just touch quickly on on abortion. We're going to pray about this in a moment. Over 8 million babies have been aborted in the UK since it was legalized in 68. And it doesn't take into account those of people that was danger to the mother or rape or incest or anything else. That's about 5% of the figures. 
around about one to two billion people since the 60s. One billion is a hard fact. We don't know about the rest because it's third world and statistics aren't very reliable. But Christianity teaches that life from the point of conception is so, so important to God. Uh, just pray. Let's just pray for a moment. We'll bow our heads. Our Father, I ask for you to show your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness for those of us who have experienced abortion here. Come, Holy Spirit, to minister, to heal. pray for, for understanding, for forgiveness, for you to heal hearts. It's not often that you're, please do look up, it's not often, often your vicar nails his, uh, colors to the mast but abortion is wrong even if it is a right Father we just receive your forgiveness help us to amend what we are and direct what we shall be that we may do justly love mercy and walk humbly with you our God Amen uh, Jesus, this guy, Jesus, who, whom I love, whom I follow, who I continue to learn from, he doesn't let us off that easily when we say, you shall not murder, and we go, that's okay, because you know, we, can, we can not do that one, God. Because he says, you've heard it said, do not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, says Jesus, I say, forget about the murdering bit. Anyone who is angry with someone without cause will be subject to judgment. You'll find that in Matthew 5.21. Grudges, resentment, prejudice, racism, bitterness, hatred, all harm life. Sometimes our, our language is full of hatred, full of venom, and our faces screw up so tightly, like that bloke who gave me the double bird. I wish you had never been born. I hate you. I wish you would die. Sometimes as married couples would say, I've never loved you. I don't even know why I married you. When I was uh, an angry young man, walking without God, I used to express my anger in certain ways. And one way... Uh, was so bad at one point uh, in my house that my wife had to call my brother to restrain me. Kids, my kids have got my kids have got fond memories of me being an angry young father, and um, they're very gracious about it now. If if the subject of anger 
or hatred or anything else like that comes up around the dinner table or if we're watching a movie, uh, the kids remind me of the Mary Poppins incident. When they were much smaller and watched Mary Poppins, I got so angry, so angry that I obliterated their copy of Mary. I said Mary Poppins in the first service and someone said, I think it was my wife, just to be clear, he didn't murder Mary Poppins <laughs> or smash her up. So Mary Poppins DVD, I lost it. I lost it. And to get back at them in that moment, the rage I was in, smashed it to pieces. Hey, Dad, do you remember Mary Poppins? Yeah, I do. I do. Ah, Rage and hatred are murderous things. And when it's written all over your face, you don't even have to say a word. There's a very thin line. There is a very thin line which separates the violence of feeling from the violence of action. I wonder what it is for you. I wonder what it is that flicks a switch, moves you from what's inside of you, hatred and anger, from spilling out, spilling out all over those that you love, your neighbors, I wonder, I wonder. So here are some common expressions of anger. Uh, I wonder which one are you? Are you temperamental, 50% temper, 50% mental? Are you, uh, are you a maniac? Are you the sort of person that explodes like that, who yells and throws things, shouts and screams abuse? Uh, liken it to uh, uh, um, during the break if you were getting a cup of coffee or a cup of tea uh, I hope it was hot and tasty I didn't actually get one so feel sorry for me if you got yours and somebody bumped into you and you spilt coffee or tea hot tea all over them it would have scalded them and hurt them and they would have screamed and they probably would have you know reacted in a certain way it might have left a mark and I wonder sometimes when people bump into us by accident, what is it that spills out of us? Is it anger and hatred and how do you react? Do you give people a double bird? People who fly into a rage always make a bad landing. People who blow a fuse usually end up in the dark. So maybe you're a maniac. Maybe that's how you express your anger. Maybe you're a bit of a mute. Maybe you repress suppress however you want to say that maybe you keep it all in people don't like to admit that they're angry they want to they want to protect their image they want to conceal that in some way shape or form pretending that they don't feel any anger at all who me angry no everything is fine but when we bury our anger we're just burying it alive it's going to come back out again and usually and i know this in times of stress that it's the body that reacts first, your own body. Your blood system will produce a heart attack. Your muscles will give you a stroke. Your muscles will tense up, will elevate your blood pressure. Your digestive tract will suffer producing ulcers. And what happens when we suppress it? Our body finds a way of actually revealing it. Maybe you're one of those two. Um, now, I don't think you're actually going to get rid of angry, uh, anger. I don't actually think it's possible to get rid of anger until you're stood and you melt in the presence of God.
So what are you going to do to deal with it? Because, you know, you want me to bring you some good news, right? That's why you come this morning, because you're hoping upon hope that actually when the vicar speaks, that he's going to have something from the scriptures, which is going to say, this is going to make a difference in my life and in the lives of those that I love and my neighbors. Well, I would suggest, uh, admit it. Admit that you've got a problem. We have, we're in this wonderful recovery group here. People are on the road to recovery from all sorts of addictions. And the first thing that you are required to do is to acknowledge you have a problem. It's the first place to finding healing. And we're going to have people praying at, towards the end of the service over there. And if you want to acknowledge the fact that you're an angry young man or an angry young woman or not so young anymore, then we would love to pray for you. So admit it to yourself. Don't, let, don't sin... This is everything that separates us from God. Don't sin by letting anger control, getting control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. So you'll find that in Ephesians 4. And we make things worse when we pretend it's not a problem. In order to stop defeating ourselves, we must first stop deceiving ourselves. And if we don't talk it out, we will take it out. Find a counselor. Find someone to talk to about who you are, what you've become. Maybe you can express it in non-destructive ways. Deal with it immediately. Don't hold on to it. Don't let it turn into a grudge. One of the things that we're, we're so keen on working on here in St. Saviour's and at St. Saviour's is that when we have a problem with our brother or a sister, we talk to the brother or the sister and we say, actually, what you said hurt me. We don't go and talk to someone else and build up a little gang of people who can then heap judgment on this poor person. We talk to one another. We work out our issues with each other and before God. You know, you cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. You realize that? That image might stay with you. The anger, when it's repressed, when it hardens our heart, when bitterness comes in, our heart begins to ferment in that anger and then it can easily turn to hatred, hatred to violence. And then we'll do odd things, crazy things, like breaking up a Mary Poppins DVD. Stupid boy. Don't let the sun go down whilst you are still angry. That's a good rule for husbands and wives, if you're here with your partner, because if we go to bed angry, we lie down, and all that anger starts to eat us up like a parasite from the inside. And I would say to you, peace of mind is better than giving them a piece of your mind. So be a peacemaker in your marriage. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should snore aloud. I will make him a wife with elbows to be his helper. And God saw that he got it good. And sometimes we just need to let God exercise justice. It takes more inner strength to forgive than it does to inflict, inflict revenge. Romans 12 says this, Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For it is written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it, says the Lord. With that verse in mind, as the bloke gave me the double bird, I half expected the police as I looked in my winger to be arresting him just down the road. You might be angry, but stop, think. You know, if you speak, 
if you act when you're angry, if you speak when you're angry, it will be the best speech you regret. If you keep your mouth shut, you won't be able to put your foot in it. That was that last bit a little bit West London. In it. You won't, sorry. If you keep your mouth shut, you won't be able to put your foot in it. James, uh, another letter at the back of this here in the New Testament, says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, slow to get angry. Proverbs says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir it up. Oh, I love the way that you blow up. I love the way that you swear. I love the way that you throw things, said no one ever. Because what you need is self-control above all things. And to have self-control in your life, you have to have a firm foundation on which your life is built. And I'm here to tell you that the firm foundation that you need to build your life on is, surprise, surprise, the vicar's telling me I need to base my life on God. Again, same old story this bloke wheels out week after week. God as your firm foundation then you can put and build the rest of your life on that self-control what will create self-control you can try really hard you can try you you can give it your best endeavors to be controlling of yourself but there's this wonderful passage in this great book that tells us that when we have God living with inside of us when the Holy Spirit comes God in the third person comes and makes his home in our hearts. Then there's this fruit that that produces. And Roe was really attracted, Roe, my wife, was really attracted to this uh, when we were non-Christians. The fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Who doesn't want more of that in their life? Which one of you people sat here this morning is going to go, following Jesus is going to bring me more love? and more joy, and more peace, and more patience, and more goodness, and more gentleness, and more faithfulness, more self-control. Nah, I don't want that. I walk in the other direction. I walk towards the other bloke. Life with him would be better. No, it won't. Imagine if you could have God influencing the way that you think, the way that you act, the way that you behave. This God that I've been telling you who is good, Always good, always loving, always kind, always gracious. Well, you can, and that's the good news. That's the good news, that you can have God influencing the way that you conduct your life. You can have him influencing everything that's ever happened in your life, all of the mess, all of the chaos, all of the mistakes, all of your sin can be wiped away in an instant, and God can give you new life today life in all its fullness and he will promise to walk with you as you journey into love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control until at the very end of time you come and stand in front of him and he gives you eternal life that is the good news if you would like to do that then our prayer team would love to pray with you as we come to a close Society says that the lawbreaker is a criminal, 
Jesus said, let every criminal act begins in the heart. Society tries to reform people. Some of you, I know, work in legal services. Society tries to reform people. God says, if you let me, I will transform your life. In fact, I'll radically transform your life in the love and the power of Jesus Christ. Would you like to have your life filled with God's presence, God's peace, God's power, and God's love? That is not a rhetorical question. Would you like to have your life filled with God's peace, God's presence, God's power, God's love? It is a choice. It is a choice. And God, in his grace, he created you and has given you a choice. I think the band are going to come and help us to respond. Jesus died with his arms stretched wide to embrace the murderers, the thieves, the criminals on either side of him, saying, as one of them responded, you are the Christ. Today you will be with me in paradise. God is able to forgive. He's ready and willing to forgive. His arms are stretched out wide for you, no longer on the cross, but now as a loving father waiting for you to turn back to him so that he can embrace you, so that he can wipe away every tear, so that he can give you new life now and in the world to come. Let's stand together. For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviorsunbury.org.uk.